0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 all the way to verse 9. If you don't mind to stand for the reading of the word. We're gonna read all nine verses all together. Verse one, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Notice, Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus was also a doer. Jesus did not show up just to give us a good presentation of a gospel message. Jesus showed up with power to give us a demonstration of heavenly, holy, almighty power. He didn't show up with a good PowerPoint presentation, but no power to back it up. Verse two, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, take note, to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs. Appearing to them during 40 days, not just one instance. So it's not like, are you sure? Are you sure that you're sure? Are you sure that that was Jesus that one time that he showed up and spoke to you? No, no, Jesus appeared to them during 40 days. He showed up multiple times. It's not just one time. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And while they were staying with and while staying with them, he's staying with them, he orders them, go to Jerusalem, don't depart, but wait for the promise of the Father, another name for the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice that he has been talking to them about the kingdom of God, and they're interested in the kingdom of Israel. I'm just gonna go ahead and say this now because I don't wanna get into it in the sermon because this is not a message about politics because the gospel certainly has political implications and there were many heroes of the faith that were engaged in politics and scripture. Read the Bible. But our loyalty and our allegiance must primarily lie with the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of any political party or country, you with me? So, verse six, they ask, "Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel?" He said to them, "It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive when has come upon you, and you will be my." in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus here is concluding his earthly ministry as the church begins her earthly ministry. So the title of the message that I have for you guys is Preparing for an Outpouring preparing for an outpouring. Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts. Take a light of the Spirit and search our hearts. And anything in us that does not bring you glory, burn it up. Bring us to our knees before your throne in humility, brokenness, and dependency and fill us with revival fire. God, whatever the heart looks like that you are longing to be close to, give it to me. Whatever degree of brokenness that you're looking for so that you can be completely involved in everything that we do at Legacy, give it to us. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I had to turn that fan away because it was catching the mic and I've already turned both the fans off. Sorry, worship team. Daniel, tell them before next service because it gets hot up here. So let me, let me just begin. Um, This message is pastoral. Everybody's scared. This, this is, um, the message is pastoral because it's directional. So it, it, it's, 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 more, it's not a preach, uh, it's, it's more than a teach, uh, it, it's a talk and it's also a directional um, message for our house, for our church. It's, it's me doing my best to stay close to God and share with you what I sense that He is saying and how He is directing us to go and how we as a people are going to follow the Holy Spirit in the coming days. So I wanna begin with a couple of remarks that I wrote down this week as I was preparing to preach, teach, and talk from this passage. I love church. Anybody else in the room, you love church? I mean, I I love church, I love it. I grew up a PK, I didn't always love it growing up, but now it's in my DNA. It's deep in the DNA, I used to take naps under the pew, uh, growing up in Kentucky, every summer we used to have brush arbor meetings. Y'all don't know what that is. But that's where you'd have a revival yes. under a shed, out in a hundred degree heat. And it would start at six and be over sometime around midnight. And it smelled like off mosquito repellent in the room. And people would shout and holler. And dance and roll around on the floor that was sawdust floor, and so when they get up off the floor, they'd be picking sawdust off of their sweaty faces. The ladies would be picking sawdust out of their beehive hairdos. Bobby pins flying all over the place. I grew up holiness. That's a picture I'm painting. And so I grew up in church and so now as an adult, uh, those memories are very fond to me and I love church. I love everything about church. I love the event that is church. I love when it's Sunday morning, I wake up singing worship songs. I mean, I do that on other days as well, but there's something sacred, there's something special about Sunday. it's the Lord's day. Hallelujah. There's just a different pep in my step on Sunday morning. I wake up early and it's not even hard. Like, I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to go. I get in the car. I'm ready to get dressed. You know, I'm ready to clean the beard up. We're going to church today. It's just something about it. You know, I love pulling onto the property. I love coming into the parking lot. I love walking into the lobby. I love the smell. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know what the smell is. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but nonetheless, it's church. I'm like, I like this, this is cool. I I love worship. I love worshiping with a lot of people. I I love hearing the voices. I I, I love hearing the saints sing out loud before the Lord. I love watching people pray and and go in and get after God and lift their hands. And I love to see, you know, people like Mary Pat dancing and the high kick, I can't do it, I'll pull my hammy. but listen, if, if, if you're here for the first time or you've been coming and you just don't understand that and you're like, man, what in the world? Listen, don't be put off. I, I wanna encourage you, don't be put off by egregious expressions of love for the Lord. It, it, it may not be how you respond to God in this season, but let's celebrate people as they pour their love out to Christ Jesus in their own unique way. It's important that we do that. Remember, David's wife went barren when, he began to, when she began to judge David's worship. Yeah. Judginess can lead to barrenness. <laughs> Don't be judgy, right? So I love church. I love weird church. I love preaching. Even if I'm not preaching, I like preaching. I love having Manny last week, just getting after it. For all three services, just going in. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the event that is church. And I'm sure there are some other people in the room. You're like, yeah, me too. Obviously, it's a packed house. Uh, I love church. Anybody else in the room? You're like, yep, me. I love church. I love everything about church. I love the event that is church. And I know that you do. But as we kick off this new sermon series, let me ask you a question. Do you love going to church more than you love Being the church? Um, Do you love going to the event that is church more than you love how Jesus wants us to do church? Are we overly obsessive with the current style? of church in our westernized culture or are we looking to the scriptures like good Bereans and saying, Jesus, what was the dream that you had in your heart whenever you said, and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. It's not just about some stylistic expression of church that I prefer. It's about submission to Christ Jesus and getting under his authority and saying, Jesus, I want to be a part of the church that you are building. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it changes so long as you're doing the changing. I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And what you're going to notice in the book of Acts is that Jesus is actively building his church all throughout the book of Acts. He told us in Matthew, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And what do we see him doing in the book of Acts? Building his church. He said he would do it. He started right away. He didn't wait till 2023 before he started building this church. He started right away. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. What did he do in the book of Acts? He sent the Holy Spirit. When you, when you read the book of Acts, you'll see the title there. If you've still got your Bible open, it says the Acts of the Apostles. Wow. But really, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You got the Gospels, right? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you get to the book of Acts and it's kind of this transitory book that leads us to the epistles. But you can also consider Acts a gospel, but the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote Acts, the Holy Spirit authored Acts. The Spirit being sent and the church emerging has always been the plan of God for this age. So whenever Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit, he also said, I'm going to build my church. And that is what the whole New Testament is. We see in the gospels, Jesus is operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have this transitional book, which is the book of Acts, where we see the spirit meet the church and the rest of the New Testament is about the church. Am I preaching to myself this morning. I don't know. I'm not trying to pontificate too deeply. I just want to, you know, try and explain a little bit of what's happening in the Bible. Are you guys, you guys okay? I just, I like it. I'm a nerd. So this is what's happening. And this is the study that we are engaging in. It's not, oh, I love church. Let's try to figure out how to preserve a particular type of style that people enjoy coming to. But let's go to the Lord Jesus and let's look at what he wants to build. Let's examine the blueprint that he gives us in the scripture and let's do everything that we can to knit together a wineskin so that he can fill it with his wine. The spirit and the structure. Now, when you read here in verse one, you see, you know, Luke talking about the first book, which is uh, the gospel book that bears his name. He says, I I, I wrote down everything that Jesus was doing and everything that Jesus was teaching. And so what he's doing is he's he's reflecting back on the earthly ministry of Jesus. And what the book of Acts is, is the heavenly ministry of Jesus. See, Jesus, he goes up and now he's ministering, uh, not from earth any longer, but he's ministering from heaven. Am I I giving you guys too many details in the book of Acts? Book of Acts an interesting book. Starts in Jerusalem, ends in Rome. Jerusalem the religious hub of the world, Rome the political hub of the world. If you think about it, Jerusalem and Rome conspired together to crucify him. Right? Jerusalem condemned him, Rome sentenced him, God raised him. Jesus said, "I am King of Kings and Lord of Lords." I will not be held down by any religious or political powers. I alone sit upon the throne. I am God all by myself. <laughs> all right, maybe too much of the nerdy stuff. But you have to see in the book of Acts that the church and the Spirit emerges together. They were never supposed to be separated. And I hate to say this, but unfortunately, perhaps the modern church is guilty of breaking God's law whenever Jesus says, what God has put together, let no man cut asunder. Unfortunately, far too often the modern church has separated the church from the spirit as though the spirit is somehow dangerous or a threat to our church building that people won't wanna come if we do too much spirit. It was never supposed to be separated. It was always supposed to emerge together, which is why we see in the book of Revelation, that says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. You see right there at the end. You got the spirit and the church together, just like right here at the start. You got the spirit and the church together. You can't just say, I like the spirit, but I don't like the church. Or I like the church and I don't like the spirit. You can't say either thing because Jesus himself knit them together. He said, I got the wine and the wine skin and they're both coming up together. You with me? So that's what we're studying. That's what we're leaning into. It's really important that we get these details on the onset because um, we're, we're, we're paving a path. For, for where we're gonna go. In verse two, uh, we see here that Jesus is giving commands through the Holy Spirit. He's giving commands through the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said, the church and the Spirit, they emerge together. And this is um, something that I was thinking about this past week. It's an A.W. Tozer quote that I thought was very fascinating. It says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Woo! I mean, when you read the book of Acts, it's an intense indictment on the modern church as we know it. How dare they have revival with 3,000 souls saved in one day? without technology. How dare they evangelize the known world without airplanes? See, what they didn't have in technology, they made up for in dependency. They were completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. They did not have any amenities. Listen, I'm a pastor I'm in a lot of conversations with a lot of other pastors and I talk to church planters and I engage with pastor material, uh, you know, online or, you know, different curriculums or suggestions for church planters. And so often much of that material is all about amenities. Well, you got to have the right amenities or else people are not going to come to church. Right? There's no way that people are going to enjoy being a part of the body unless you have the amenities. Now, we work very hard to provide all of the amenities that we can. I want you guys to know that. And we're always going to get better and increase the excellence. But we're not going to substitute amenities for dependency upon the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, but we have amenities, we have a nice restaurant with no food. Can you imagine going out on a date night and you're like so excited? I mean, the hostess is the most warm, inviting, wonderful person. Oh, so happy that you're here. If you're a high five person, they give you a high five. If you're like a knuckles person, they just give you a little fist bump. If you're a hugger, get in here. You're amazing, you're awesome. Oh, you got kids? Let me take your kids, let me take you to your seat. It's super cushiony, it's very comfortable. You get first class, upgrade. Need a cup of coffee? Here you go. You know? Could you imagine if you were to go to a restaurant, you sit down after this amazing welcome experience and they're like, all right, you're like, where's the food? Oh, there, there's no food, it's just, it's an experience. You're waiting on it. it. Well, I know this is the right place. It says restaurant on the sign. It says church on the sign. Where's the food? Where's the nourishment? Where's the refreshment? Where's Where's the wine? Where's the wine? Where is it at? How am I supposed to refresh my soul with amenities? right? How am I transformed by comforts? I'm not trying to be too mean. That's not really my point. I'm, I'm just saying perhaps, maybe, possibly, we as the modern church, we need to repent because as we look at the early church and we see what they were able to get done with dependency alone, We should be cut to the heart with conviction and say, how is it possible with all of these resources that we would have such less impact? Maybe dependency has gone out the window. Maybe the wine isn't being served at the restaurant anymore. Is there not any bread in my house? You remember that? You know, how often have we had that experience? I don't know, you don't have to lift your hand. Do you ever go to a restaurant and leave hungry? And, and I mean, if you're fasting, I guess you do. <laughs> trying to hang out with your friends. <laughs> my wife and I, we went to a restaurant on our first year anniversary. We were so poor. We had no money. We saved up and we decided we were gonna spend $200 on dinner. And oh, that's a big deal. Went to a nice restaurant. I won't say which one it is. Some of you may work there, I don't know. And we spent right up to that 200 bucks and I left there and I was hungry. I got the best steak I could afford. We got everything and I was like, I'm still hungry. I'm like, let's go to Jay Alexander's. They got that carrot cake I like. I shouldn't bring that up. Some people are fasting (laughs) and we went. Man, I hate to say it, it it just could be possible that that's what's happening in our culture today with folks looking for a church. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not, you ever heard this, I'm not getting fed. Sometimes it's true, a lot of times it's not because you know who doesn't feed themselves? Babies. (laughs) 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 And if you only eat one time a week, you're malnourished. just, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. All right, I got to get to my points. I got four points. I'm gonna give them to you real quick. Number one, if we are preparing for an outpouring, number one, we must be a people completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Not on the person, not the programming, not the personality of any particular person. Not my charisma, my ability, my strength of communication. I hope I get better, but you know what? Even if I didn't, the Holy Spirit's gonna take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. We must be a people. If we're gonna welcome and witness revival, we must be a people completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and that is the wine. And if we are gonna be dependent people, there are two things that we cannot do we cannot quench the holy spirit and we cannot grieve the holy spirit those are the two things in scripture that paul tells us not to do in first thessalonians and ephesians now let me ask you a question how are you going to know what grieves him or what quenches him if you don't know him that's it that's good that's it i'm I, I mean i honestly i'm i'm actually bummed and tired of hearing dry carnal Christians telling me what grieves the spirit. You shouldn't do all that dancing and all that lifting your hands and singing and you shouldn't do all that. You're carnal. Why would I listen to you? (laughs) I gotta stop now. If we continually quench and grieve the Holy Spirit, can we really complain about not being fed? The wine has been placed on the table, let us refresh ourselves. As I, as I told Michelle earlier, from the Song of Solomon, drink and imbibe deeply, oh ye lovers. She spilt communion on her blouse. I said, you are imbibing deeply, woman of God. All right, let me get to point two. Point two is this, preparing for an outpouring number two, the whole focus of the whole church must be the resurrected Jesus. The whole focus of the whole church must be the resurrected Jesus, not my ministry, not your ministry, not my platform, not your platform, not your opportunity, not my opportunity, not my brand, not your brand. None of those things. The whole focus of the whole church has to be on the resurrected Jesus. And and that's what we see right here in verse three. He says, listen, I'm alive. Look at me over a 40 day span. I want you to notice something as we read through Acts. Every single sermon is all about the resurrected Jesus. You hear sermons from Peter and you hear sermons from Paul and the center of every single sermon is Jesus is alive. And not only is every single message about the resurrected Jesus, every single miracle is about the resurrected Jesus. There is nothing supernatural that takes place in the book of Acts in the name of a man. Every single supernatural occurrence in the book of Acts takes place in the name of Jesus. And if you took everything supernatural about our ancient roots From the book of Acts, you would not have a book. You would have a pamphlet. We should be seeing the supernatural in our churches. We should be seeing the spirit break out. We should be seeing miracles. We should be having visitations. We should be having corporate encounters. We should. It's right here. Am I freaking you guys out? Remember my initial question? Do you want to go? To the event that is church or do you want to be the church and you want to listen to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to do whatever it was that you had in your heart when you said you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Whatever that is, I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm in. Number three, preparing for an outpouring, number three, we must step out and we must step up in the operation of God's power. We must step out and we must step up in the operation of God's power. That means we gotta take risk. Somebody's got a daughter named Sarah. That's a risk for me. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and then I look silly. So what? Let's just step out. Let's just step out. Let's see what God wants to do. We're not going to see what we're not looking for. We got to be looking for it. We got to step out. We got to step up. This is what Jesus wanted to do, and this is why he sends his Holy Spirit on his church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's going to give you power to be a witness that word power right there in the greek is two greek words it's exousia power and it is dunamis power if you grew up pentecostal you knew dunamis you may have you may not have known exousia but let me tell you what exousia power is exousia power is authority everybody say authority Authority. dunamis power is ability everybody say ability So when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, you get a permission slip from Jesus. You have authority from the Lord to operate in the ability of the Holy Spirit. You have permission. You have been granted authority by the King of Kings to operate in the supernatural ability of God. So remind me again what it is that you cannot not do. Because last I checked, the Holy Spirit is God. And if I have the ability of of the Holy Spirit, I have the ability of God working in my life. (laughs) (laughs) We receive authority to operate in God's ability. Last point, point number four. We must be a people wholeheartedly devoted to obeying Jesus' command to take the gospel to every creature in every nation. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, the power's coming upon us to be witnesses. Now, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you know what that word means in the Greek, but it means martyr. That's shocking, right? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's coming upon your life. With the Holy Spirit comes power. And that power will enable you to suffer in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you um, just, became an, just, um, just became a Christian last night or something like that, but mm-hmm. I hate to ruin it for you. You're gonna suffer. Yes. You're gonna be opposed. Yes. You'll be ostracized. You'll be persecuted. You'll go through trial. You'll go through tribulation. Some will be small. Some will be big. Based upon the book, we haven't seen the worst of it, I'm sure. Right. That's good. But... I have power to withstand it and endure it because I have the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth is what Jesus has called us to do. So if you don't have a grid for being an evangelist, you don't have a grid for being a Christian. I know that's hard hitting, I know, I know. But listen, the Holy Spirit does not simply call you to preach the gospel and witness. The Holy Spirit causes you to preach the gospel and be a witness. And when you're a witness, you testify. And witnesses never testify of themselves, they always testify of someone else. And that someone else for us, church, is the resurrected Christ and his name is Jesus. And that's what we're called to be. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.